joining us on Moving Radio today is the people's champion of Moving Radio, our favorite guest in the whole wide podcasting universe. He'll only do other people's shows. He refuses to do his own. It's none other than owner, proprietor, and boss of Brian Beaker, Kevin (laughs) Martin. Kevin Martin, how are you today, buddy? Oh, I'm good. Uh, You caught me on my one day off from the video store as Brian Beaker. Uh, Apparently did a great job, dude. The store was busy because the weather was beautiful. and He was all excited. He sent me today's numbers and I said, hurrah, the store can live for another day. I'm very happy. So always a big shout out to not only is he my once a week worker, a good friend, but he is the man that makes all the fine merchandise from toques to t-shirts to hoodies and the keychains at the old lobby DVD shop on White House. So big shout out to Brian. And uh, thank uh, thank uh, Brian for letting me have at least one day off a week so my cat remembers my name and who I am, <laughs> I think. That is very helpful. That is very helpful. Well, we're talking to you. Sometimes we talk to you because we're pumping the tires of the last video store, which is a feature film that you uh, you still star in and are part of. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to that. I have a feeling there might be some last video store news around the corner sometime soon. So I'm not going to grill you about that, Kev. Let's mm-hmm. talk. Let's talk about the bread and butter. Let's talk yeah. about the everyday. The old video store, the lobby, has got some fantastic new stuff in. Uh, we love to talk to you when things come up. We could literally talk every week. Um, but you would get sick of me quite quickly. It's true. We used to talk week, remember? Remember? Well, well, that was also, yeah, that was before I lost some parts. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is not tenable to do a show weekly anymore. Uh, that's 30 minutes. So, <laughs> but it was great. I did, I did enjoy it. I always enjoyed it. Well, let's talk about some things that I go through because I love following you on Facebook. That's uh, a great place to find out more about the lobby. And when I see that, I, I uh, salivate over the new movie list whenever it comes out. And uh, every week, there's always something interesting that I haven't seen before uh, or that piques my interest. One thing that I saw that is very exciting that you brought in multiple copies of that is already sold out and it's on its coming away back again is a film that has a little connection to uh, maybe a favorite of the stores, Black Dynamite. But this is not a sequel to Black Dynamite. It's basically from the minds of Black Dynamite. What was that film? Oh, that would be the outlaw Johnny Black. I've been trying to tell y'all Brett Clayton's coming to rob your bank. Listen up, you shut up! And I came to put a bullet in him. <laughs> My name is Johnny Black. I am no gentleman and I am no preacher. I thought I would join you for breakfast. Hallelujah. That man is not what he pretends to be. Surprise! Didn't the Bible say to turn the other cheek? I don't know. I mean, probably. Yeah. I said stop. Stop me. But it also said you could hit a bully with a slingshot. And this is mine. Man, that I am still convinced if lead actor, writer, and director of this movie, Michael Jai White directed this one. Uh, he did not direct Black Dynamite, this one he directed. If Michael Jai White would have been around during the peak of like action hero 80s movies, I think he would have been as big as Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Seagal and Van Damme. The charisma 
this man has, let alone his physicalities and his natural like skills, like he he can do it all. And, and um, we waited for years after Black Dynamite came out. I know we're both huge fans of Black Dynamite. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have sold Black Dynamite and recommended it like multiple hundreds of times since it came out in what 2009 so it's been a while it's been a while i'm waiting for this follow-up because black dynamite was the perfect i'm not even gonna call it a parody it was a perfect homage a perfect uh satire almost but 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 played so straight-handed and 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 cool to black exploitation cinema of the 70s that uh to somebody that didn't know who michael J. white was that wouldn't recognize uh, the Arsenio Hall cameo in the movie or or, or some other uh, modern actors, you would could be convinced that Black Dynamite came out in 1974. Like it looked like whoever did, the music was on par, the, the cinematography was brilliant. The, the way they, they they took like every cliched black exploitation plot point from multiple movies and somehow managed to cram them into one 90 minute movie was ridiculous. I know we're here talking about the movie, but like for those that don't know Black Dynamite, Black Dynamite, if you grew up and you've seen enough of the 70s black exploitation movies as they're known to be called, you know, you have the cliche uh, plot holes of ex Vietnam vet comes home, um, drugs in the community, uh, the white man is keeping us down, uh, prostitution and pimps and the drug trafficking trade. and. And Black Dynamite managed to take all those elements and squeeze them in, not just into one plot, but literally taking the character, <clears throat> Michael Chai White's Black Dynamite, and making him like a combination of, I would say, Jim Kelly's Black Belt Jones, um, Richard Roundtree's Shaft, and throwing a little bit, a little bit of Superfly in there uh, because uh, he had to take care of things. And a little bit of Jim Brown as well from Slaughter, the Vietnam uh, side of things. And it, it, it just was so well done. Like, you know, they even managed to pay tribute to Rudery Moore's Dolomite in that movie, where, like, you know, Black Dynamite's sidekick, his best friend, is literally Dolomite. Like, he, you know, was rhyming and, and, and fighting. It was, anyways. So, this new one. The Outlaw Johnny Black. Now, this is their tribute because it's all the same, more or less same writers, actors, crew that are all working on this one. This is their tribute to the uh, subgenre around the same time that was the black exploitation of Western films of that era. And they, they did exist. So if you're not familiar with, with that genre, generally it would have been a Fred the Hammer Williamson. Uh, let's just say... Uh, the biggest movie from that era, from, from that genre, at least that I know of, it is now newly titled just Boss. But anyways, it is an African-American man who becomes sheriff of this town. And obviously there was a lot of racism and no one's taking a, a black sheriff seriously in the old West. But soon enough, they lay down the law and, 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 and show what's what. So taking elements of that genre and you have Michael J. White back uh, in, in that kind of role, it works so well. Now, I really enjoyed The Outlaw, Johnny Black. And, and it goes out saying, if you're listening and, and you know Black Dynamite, you're going to love this movie. But I will say, it's not as laugh-out-loud funny as Black Dynamite was. Like, Black Dynamite is one of the funniest movies. Uh, if, if you get the, the subject matter, you're going to be howling. 
the outlaw Johnny Black, it, it's funny, and, and Michael J. White's still unreal. And I cannot believe that man is 52 years old now, I believe. He is just built like a tank, like, and he's still got the flexibility and moves. But comedy aside, it's just a good Western. Like, it's a straight-up great revenge Western. Um, there's a lot of seriousness in the movie, which was surprising, but the humor balances out. I was also a little bit stunned by the running time, too. It's two hours and 15 minutes long, uh, which is pretty long for a movie of that subject matter, but it didn't feel long. So if you are a fan of Michael Jai White, if you're a fan of the aforementioned Black Dynamite, and if you haven't seen it, get on it, uh, you definitely want to check out The Outlaw Johnny Black. Uh, this was one of those movies, like always, the trailer or a working Kickstarter trailer first hit the internet about, what, five years ago? And we just waited and waited, like, when's this coming up? And it still boggles my mind uh, from an independent filmmaking point of view how after the success, or at least what I thought was this Black Dynamite, how it took so long for this movie to, to get made and how, you know, they need more money and money and, and like Kickstarters all like, just somebody give this man the money. Like I didn't, I thought it'd be a no brainer. <laughs> the other thing I noticed is if watching the movie, I don't know if you've seen it yet. It looks like Michael J. White formed his own production company because it literally opens up and I can't remember the name of his production company, but it's definitely his company. So I hope outlaw Johnny black does well. I know the video store is doing its part. Uh, we've sold multiple copies and we keep hoping to sell more because I, I can't wait to see what he has uh, next up his sleeve at least creatively that he can write and direct. I know he, you know, he shows up in movies all the time because he's just badass. but I don't think he gets enough credit for how funny he is and uh, just how charismatic he is. Like he has the, the martial arts like pedigree, of course, but God does he, like the camera just loves him. Like that man just emotes whatever he needs to, he emotes. And again, if you've seen black dynamite, all the supporting casts that you remember from black dynamite, are more or less in this movie, obviously playing different characters, uh, but they're they're all back. It's great. All right, so if you go down to the store, get the triple pack of maybe the animated series yes. Black Dynamite and also Outlaw. You get all three of those. It's triple. It's a winner. It's a triple crown affair. And, and uh, I, 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 it's not really a spoiler, but I love uh, uh, talking about this this one scene in the movie at the end things the dust is settled and you know the good guys prevail because that's how it worked in these movies there's a great nod where uh michael jai white uh, he looks up and the camera pans and it shows like a saloon and on like the balcony on the second level there's a cameo by fred the hammer williamson and rest in peace jim brown who passed away last year and they they're cheersing a drink to them uh, to him and they kind of nod their head like passing of the torch you know because those two were kind of the uh you know they were the stars of that again subgenre of uh black exploitation western films of that era and i thought it was a really really classy touch so yeah big props up to michael jai white and the outlaw johnny black yeah i, I recently saw uh michael jai white was on turner classic movies too um because he's he's not just the kind of guy that's like oh i watch these like he's he's very learned about it and that's what you can tell from these films so uh if you are into that kind of era of the 70s and you know black exploitation is accurate but it's also limiting in some ways of what these films were 
then you definitely want to check that out if uh, if you love all that stuff. Let's uh, let's pivot a little bit to something else that maybe is a bit of an homage in some ways too, stylistically to maybe things from the '80s. I would say uh, it's suitable flesh. By uh, you know what, if you love a good horror film, you probably know who Joe Lynch is. Mayhem, I guess the superior episode of the Wrong Turn series, Wrong Turn Two. Okay. I don't know. Oh, it's money. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, uh, and of course, a couple of legends, Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton in this film. And if you were lucky enough to see it at Northwest Fierce Fest like I was, then maybe you have seen it already. Uh, Kev, let's tell the people a little bit about Suitable Flesh. Yeah, well, Suitable Flesh is based off an H.B. Lovecraft story. Now, the story goes, and you might know this better than me, Zip, but mm-hmm. it does was a project that before he passed away, I know Stuart Gordon was eyeing up. And for those of you that don't know, Stuart Gordon is the man that has adapted during his lifetime, his career, more H.B. Lovecraft stories than any other director I can think of. Uh, As try as he may, Del Toro has yet to manage to get up there and and make his dream come true. But Stuart Gordon was always that guy that, whether it was Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak, Dagon, he would take a pretty elaborate Lovecraft story and somehow be able to entertain us and convert it into a film with the lowest of budgets. He never was given an ample amount of money, but yet he made it work. And the story goes, he had this Lovecraft uh, story that he wanted to do as well, but his health was declining. And apparently he was a fan of Joe Lynch's work. And I don't know. I mean, you know, there's always an urban legend how these things come to be. But let's just pretend it, it is what I'm saying it is. And he said, if I can't do it, I think a guy like Joe Lynch should be perfect to take up the reins. And it was led mainly by legendary scream queen Barbara Crampton, who ended up producing this movie along with co-starring in it. Again, for you people that don't know, Barbara Crampton worked very closely with Stuart Gordon. She was also an animator, Castle Freak, from beyond, and and done her Lovecraft uh, work. So I think we owe credit for this movie getting off the ground, mainly because of Barbara Crampton. And by getting Heather Graham involved, that just seemed like, I was I was kind of shocked. I don't know if you were, Zippy, but like, wait, wait, Heather Graham, like, Boogie Nights, Austin Powers, like, you know, pretty A-list actress. Although, I guess in fairness, I really haven't seen Heather Graham in too much work in the last few years, or maybe she went to do more TV, I'm not sure. But uh, but it was definitely a, an intriguing film to go into. Um, now, was it my favorite Lovecraft adaption? No. Well, there's too the, many, Kev. There <laughs> It's like are. it's like picking your favorite Bond film. There's yeah. so many, and <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I I get what you're saying too, but I think there's a lot of pluses here. Don't you think that Lynch did his best to do a Stuart Gordon film? That much he he definitely did. I loved uh, that about it. Do you, do you think that can um, hinder a director in his own or her own ability? when they are, are trying to replicate the direction of, of somebody specifically too much? I'm going to say that it depends on who you ask. If you ask Quentin Tarantino, he will say no, because 
he is definitely accused of that crime several times over, but yet mm. kind of blending it with his own sensibilities in some ways. But I think if it's for an audience that maybe doesn't have that reference point and it becomes the gateway drug to more Stuart Gordon, then maybe that works. I don't know. But I feel like having two mature women, like not like 25-year-old nubile, this is what we're selling, right? Uh, made it, I thought, a really effective film. And I liked seeing that. I liked seeing two strong women uh, who are over 30, like really working that film. And I thought that was great. She has the perfect life. The perfect husband. <laughs> the perfect career. I want to help you. I'm not so sure you can. The perfect flesh. <gasps> what? what just happened? From the twisted psyche of Joe Lynch. It felt so real. I was in his body. And the universe of H.P. Lovecraft. Who are you? Really? Italian, come on. Yeah, come on. Barbara Crampton, she somehow discovered the fountain of youth in her life because it is insane to think this woman is almost 60 years old. I, I don't know. I, she might even be over six now. I, I, it's it's mind boggling. You know the story of when she was cast to be the matriarch in Adam Wingard's "You're Next." When she showed up on set, they they, they were stunned. They were like, "This isn't going to work. No one is going to believe, even though in real life she is the age she's supposed to be, that she's that old." They had to put old woman makeup on her. So she would look motherly enough because she looked as young as her quote unquote daughters or her sons in the movie, which is a credit to her. I mean, you know, good genetics is good genetics. I, you know what else really surprised me about this movie, though? Mm -hmm. Aside, the, you know, it, it's so it's love crap. So you're going to have supernaturalness, body swapping, uh, gore, um, some some dark humor. But. Uh, paying tribute tell me i'm not crazy here zip because the minute i heard that saxophone like score for a good chunk of the movie this hb lovecraft movie was paying tribute to like david Duchovny's red shoe diaries from the 90s more than anything else i mean if you grew up in the 90s and stayed up late night and watched showcase or skinamax you got to see all the erotic thrillers where you got to see some nudity a little bit here and there, but it was tastefully done. And the cheesy musical score that was underneath it, well, you know what I'm talking about. And this movie definitely was going for it when it came to all the intimate scenes, we'll say. And that music score was just, it was almost, it didn't take me out of the movie, but I definitely was chuckling every now and then pretty good uh, listening to it. Uh, well, sidebar, because that makes me think of something that I actually picked up from you from the shop. So let's give this a little bit love. It's a documentary all about the lost world of the erotic thriller from like late 90s, early 2000s. It's called We Kill for Love. And I thought that thing was fantastic. Oh, man. Okay. So yeah, I brought it in on a whim and I'm taking it home. 
So this documentary it was directed by a gentleman named Anthony Penta. And the first thing I realized when I hit play, I'm like, it is three hours long. I'm like, this is epic. But again, if you grew up in that era, you know, I'm not going to say they don't make them like they used to or they can't make these movies anymore. Because I still think they can. But I just don't think it, it was a certain time, a certain era. And if you grew up in the 90s and you stayed up late and we and here in Canada, we had a like showcase and Skinamax, I suppose. But yeah, they were basically like like 1940s Humphrey Bogart film noir thrillers. Just every 10 minutes, somebody had to get naked and it had to be shot with candlelight and, and really cheesy music and the most dramatic looking sex scenes ever where like that's just not real life. But it was done classy with the silk sheets flowing in the foreground and and the hair kind of glistening and and then somebody gets killed. And we got to figure out uh, probably the person that was having that erotic scene is the killer at the end. But the documentary blew me away, Zip, because I didn't realize they were going to go back to the origins of the 1930s and 40s films mm -hmm. before the to what the main subject matter of this documentary is. And yeah, if you're if you're a film historian buff of, of the more out there subgenres like the erotic thrillers from the 90s, early 2000s, I I think both of us cannot recommend enough how in depth and the best part about this documentary and it's my favorite kind of documentary is you're teaching me something I didn't know but at the same time you are entertaining the heck out of me with some of the stories of how these movies are made and who was involved because it was a really fun documentary too when I kind of almost accidentally bumped into what looked to me like a new genre that new Hollywood was fast inventing it struck me as a really interesting opportunity to start to think seriously about what it means for a whole new genre to appear and begin to name itself in that way. I first noticed it really on the sleeves of VHS videos in video stores and in trade press reviews. To me, I think the term became most real through those cheaper end straight to video films. I think the first time I heard the term erotic thriller was probably when I auditioned for Undercover. When my agent said erotic thriller and I said, well, what is that? Well, you know, like nine and a half weeks. Not a fan of the phrase erotic thriller. It just sounds a little naughty, a little naughtier maybe than I want to be. There was always that element of danger in an erotic thriller, and it was usually the woman who was dangerous. In these erotic thrillers, these women were beautiful and sexy, but often deadly. I liked the term a lot, erotic thriller. I thought erotic thriller was exactly what it was. It was just a perfect meld of exactly what these movies were. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And of, and of course, uh, like everything we talk about, you can find it at the lobby. Well, I've got one more thing that I want to cover with you this week uh, that kind of piqued my interest as well. And this is a film that um, I, 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 th I don't know how it escaped me because I figured after I saw Hellraiser, I was trying to track down everything. And it's probably just a matter of distribution. But an old Clive Barker chestnut from 1985, I believe you said, has been unearthed, and now you can find it restored at the Lobby DVD shop. Let's let them know uh, about some old Clive Barker they could check out. All right. Well, this movie, uh, 
ironically, I had it in my store years earlier uh, from a different, but I, again, was unaware it was Clive Barker because it went by the different title. It was originally called Transmutations. I think that was North American title. But in England, it came out as Underworld, and it's based off of, I'm not sure if it was a Clive Barker short story, a longer story, or maybe Clive Barker wrote it just for the screen. But we're thinking this is before Rawhead Rex was even made. So this has to be Clive Barker's first paycheck from a studio company going, we want to take this and make it into a movie. And when you watch the movie, it's very apparent. You can see between this and me and Rawhead Rex, why Clive Barker is like, uh, hey guys, is it cool if I direct my own sub-material from now on? Like, and again, I'm not downplaying the movie. Look, this movie is what it is. It's a product of its time. It's very British. It's very 1985. And it's very, there are elements of Clive Barker in there, but you can definitely tell he was a young upcoming guy and probably just took the money and ran and just like, yeah, do what you want with it. But in the end, uh, I do recommend giving it a watch, especially if you're a genre fan and more importantly, if you're a Clive Barker fan, you want to see everything that he might have touched um it's not really a horror movie per se there there are people with genetic mutations in the film um but the plot is it opens up with these group of mutants or they seem to be super strong like x-men mutation strong and they kidnap a, a socialite looking woman and they take her down to the sewer their secret bunker or whatever like oh these must be the bad guys kind of thing and it turns out uh, uh, the underworld head boss, who um, I can't remember the actor's name, Zippy, but he was the main bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop. He was the guy who owned the art gallery in Beverly Hills Cop, who got Axel fo fully thrown out of his uh, building right through the glass window. We all know that epic moment. But it turns out that the mutants kidnapped this, this lady because... The one thing they all have in common is they're hooked on this, this white powder drug or white liquid drug that um, gives you super strength. But unfortunately, it also causes your body to mutate, uh, except for this one socialite woman who still is gorgeous as she ever was. So they kidnap her, bring her down the sewers, hoping that they can figure out biologically why she's not mutating like the rest of them and get a cure. And it turns out the doctor that's behind all these horrible experiments is none other than the lovable Marcus Brody from the Indiana Jones movies, which really surprised me to see him in this uh, interesting film. But um, it was fun. Our, our main character is like, he's kind of your typical, he used to be in the gang life, but now he's just a regular dude. He's an artist. But the underworld boss, played by the guy from Beverly Hills Cop, says, I need you to help me find this woman, uh, you know, who's been kidnapped by these people and stuff. So he has to go back to his savory underworld buddies and stuff and figure it out when he soon realizes that the mutants aren't the bad guys at all. It's, it's the, the, the humans that are the, the, the terrible people. It, it, is it a great movie? No. Was it fun to watch at one in the morning with a whiskey in my hand? Absolutely. And if you have such a soft spot for, for maybe hidden gems from the 1980s and genre cinema uh yeah i definitely recommend it i i'm i'm shockingly surprised kino lorber put this 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 new edition out and they gave it the bells and whistles it's not just a blu-ray it's a 4k disc they gave with it and there's new documentaries 
There's a wicked commentary track done by a very popular American podcast uh, guy, a group of guys, uh, almost like Red Letter Media. Uh, re really, really fun to listen to them talk their way through this entire movie. Again, not for everybody, but uh, people like uh, my customers that know me and my store, it's for you. And that's why I bring it in. It's for us, you know. Well, it's a, it's a plethora of film, uh, some new, some old. Uh, and some we didn't even expect to talk about. So uh, to summarize again, we were looking at Outlaw Johnny Black, Michael High White. You are giving it a ringing endorsement. So check that out if you like Black Dynamite. Suitable Flesh, which I think is fantastic. I think Kev isn't quite as high on it, but I'll take it. If this was a thumbs up, thumbs down thing. Oh, um, yeah, this would be I'd give you my good thumb hand. Okay. I wouldn't give, this isn't the no thumb hand from me. And you know what? I was uh, zipping Martin at the movies show uh, because need a little bit of drama. I'm not saying I'm giving it a thumbs down, but I would give it a thumbs down just so we could debate it more. But in reality, I'm going to give it the... They never did have the neutral thumb, eh? Like, just no. right in the middle. I want to give it, like, a 6 out of 10. You know? Like, that's me. Like, I still liked it. 6.5. 6.5 out of 10. All right. A re-release of and a retitling of Clive Barker's Underworld that's got... All the bells and whistles from your friends at Kino Lorber. It's worth it just for the fun of it, right? Well, I'm glad. And, and thank you once again for reminding me of the fantastic, epic documentary on the history of erotic thrillers, We Kill for Love. Um, that sucker is easily worth a watch. And you know what the best part of watching documentaries like that? You'll have a pen and paper in one hand or your phone or whatever, and you will literally be writing down half of the titles they talk about. And yes, Gene Simmons' wife is in a lot of those movies. <laughs> that, that's for Sean Conley out there, who, if he's listening. He, can, he uh -oh. should be picking that up then. I think Sean actually bought that one off me. <laughs> think about it, yeah. He, he definitely should. Uh, Kevin Martin, it's always a pleasure to talk to you about cinema. Uh, we could literally do a 12-hour show every week about what you bring into the store um, mm -hmm. on a regular basis. But I know both of us like to sleep and eat as well when when what day is this airing is this what day are we are we or is this a friday it's friday today right it is friday february 2nd today is that correct sure and people may listen to this a year later online who knows if it is friday february 2nd then let me give two super quick plugs to what just arrived at the shop yesterday and that would be the brand new 4k arrow uber duber edition of the conan the barbarian box set where you get both Barbarian and the Destroyer, but whatever. Posters, lobby cards, brand new bonus features. Oh, it's just, it, you remember that Warriors box set that came out? I don't know if you did, Zippy. You mean, mm -hmm. you play it. This sucker is just as beautiful. And the other one, I must have about one of the greatest masterpieces from the 1990s. Criterion on 4K has finally given us Danny Boyle's train spotting with all new bonus features uh those are going to be the two big masterpieces that the store will be proudly displaying this weekend so uh yeah come on down and scoop them up while you can for all you uh big collectors out there all right find them on white avenue across from boston pizza or you can also hit them up online and uh and find out where the store is and what you can get your hands on Kevin Martin, always a pleasure. Can't wait till next time, buddy. Uh, let's do this, not record it, and just have beers uh, again real soon. Yes, absolutely. Cheers to that. <laughs> Cheers to that, sir.